There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Water splashed against the window pane. It wasn't raining. I had just set off the sprinklers with my bat guano incense again. The door slammed open, knocking my stuffed pangolin off the wall, but I didn't care. She was obviously a real dame. Dame Judy Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, Damon Runyon. I wasn't sure, and it didn't matter. Damon Runyon? <laughs> I clambered out of my high chair like a big boy and offered her a shot of bourbon and liverwurst. <laughs> what brings a high-class act like you to a poorly maintained chimpanzee ranch like this, I spluttered through a mouthful of cornflakes. <laughs> she smiled and didn't say a word, and that's when I realized that she wasn't a dame. Someone had thrown a department store mannequin through the glass of my front door. Again. Just another Tuesday. Here at Max Mike Movies and our series, What's So Funny? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Bite me! <laughs> this week we've got the spiritual successor to Murder by Death, 1978's Neil Simon comedy, The Cheap Detective, starring Peter Falk and, well, everyone else from 1978. Yeah. I'm your host, Max, 50 bucks a day plus expenses, Levine, and over there in a large pot of water is my hard-boiled sidekick, Mike Luce, who still has a bit of flavor in him, so we'll just have to keep boiling. How's it simmering, Mike? Um... Am I pink enough to come out yet? Not yet. <laughs> Am I done? No, well, I got it. we'll have to stick a meat thermometer <laughs> in you and find out. That it hurt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but before we do that... Bubble bubble, we, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, while we boil us up some Mike-flavored water... <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. We've, we've got last week's poll question. Question. I'm not a flavor, I'm a human being. <laughs> yeah, you're both. Shut up. <laughs> Enjoy our soilent water. <laughs> I think I soiled my water. <laughs> Ew. Now, all right, out. We gotta start all over again. Soiled water, it's made from ah. people. <laughs> God. <laughs> you took you a beautiful it. thing and you ruined it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what beautiful thing! <laughs> a right, dream within a question. dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we asked you, who is your favorite film director? Mm. Nate Castle rather enigmatically wrote, I think you know. Yeah, he meant Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, hi! Oh, hi, Nate! Yeah. He, I'm your favorite director! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Kelly J. Cooper says, I don't really think in terms of directors, so I looked up one of one of my favorite movies, Charade, and found that Stanley Donnan directed a bunch of old movies that I love and the TV show Moonlighting. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Between him and Billy Wilder, I got a lot of joyful memories. Cool. Neat. Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey says, Taika Waititi, Mike. Waititi! There we go. Uh, A.J. Shemis? Sheems? Sheems. Sheems. Well, Sheems doesn't write in every week, so I forget. Uh, chimes in uh, to Rebecca saying, Not my favorite director, but I think he's fantastic. This is, I guess, referring also to Taika Waititi. Waititi. Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies. This is a great choice. What We Do in the Shadows is a, such a great comedy also. Yes, indeed. 
AJ goes on to say, This is so hard for me to narrow down to one, but if I had to, I'd probably go PTA. I just love the way he tells a story. I assume they mean Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. Or they're really a fans of movies done by the Parent Teacher Association. I think, I think it's that's Paul more Thomas likely. Anderson. <laughs> nope, nope, I think it's the Parent Teacher Association. You would. Yep. Nick Hoffman says, I'm not sure I can pick just one, but I'll try and limit. Sir David Lean, just for his vision. Ooh. Stanley Kubrick, same reason, different vision. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Ooh. Michael Curtis, king of the swashbuckler. Swash, swash, buckle, buckle. And John Landis, because he freaking made me laugh myself nearly to death. Well, I think Michael and Curtis you... also did Casablanca, so... Oh, okay, that's some <laughs> swashing and buckling. No. It is too, shut up. Have From you ever Dave! seen Casablanca? Dave! Dave! There are so many movies made every year, and, and film has a 100-year history, at least, so it is impossible to pick a true favorite. Moreover, I go through phases where I like one director or another. Having said that, he writes, <laughs> I like directors that have a signature or that consistently do good work. If Tarantino makes the film, I know I will find it interesting, even if I don't find it satisfying. That's a really interesting distinction. That actually mm. that sums up Tarantino, I think, very well. If Ron Howard or Rob Ryan... Tarantino very well. <laughs> If Ron Howard or Rob Reiner is connected to a film, so if Opie or Meathead, uh, I know I am likely to enjoy it and that it will be well made. I also like checking out directors who are trying to be artistic rather than commercial, though often I find such movies are things I'm glad I saw but I didn't find entertaining. Yeah. On the Japan side, Kurosawa, of course, I made an effort to check out most of Gosha Hideo's work, some of which is very powerful but he's inconsistent. Corita is currently popular, and I generally try to see his movies, but his work is not exciting to me. Fukusaku Kinji's later works are very well done, and similar for Yamada Yoji. Both of them moved into traditional themes late in their careers and made some great period dramas after years of cranking out less impressive work set in contemporary Japan. That said, none is a favorite per se. Oh, now you tell us! <laughs> Then there are prolific directors like Ishii Teruo. Maybe 10% of his work is incredible and 20% is completely unwatchable. The rest, just average. Shinoda is an example of a Japanese artiste director whose movies I'm glad to I've seen, but that mostly I can't really say I enjoyed. That said, one of his films is a contender for my favorite Japanese film of all time. Cried my eyes out. But he doesn't tell us what the movie is. Thanks, oh, Dave. Maybe the movie has cried my eyes out. Maybe. Oh, don't know. Anthony Merrill says, Stanley Kubrick, greatest cinematographer ever. Okay. Um, yeah, he's not a cinematographer. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Miller says, currently, Mile Flanagan. I love what he's doing in the horror world. I don't think oh. I know him. Mm, me neither. But I don't watch mm. a lot of horror movies, so that, yeah. would, uh, that would make sense. I wish I we made get, sense. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> Regan McStravick says, as far as creating consistently good work, I'd probably have to go with the Coens. Mm. Oh, sure. Eth yeah, Ethel and, and then Seymour Cohen. Very no, nice the people. Coen Their home brothers. movies are one. No, no, no. I'm sure it's oh, Ethel and gosh. Seymour. Other than that, several of my favorite films have been by Ridley Scott and several others by Luc Besson. One director who was clearly taken from us too soon is, oh boy, Christoph 
uh, Kizowski, I think. Yeah, I was glad and this I, was your week. <laughs> yeah, and I should probably I probably shouldn't leave out Kurosawa. Probably shouldn't. Probably should not. He would hit you with a sword. Val Coons, who who of queuing footsteps fames. Oh, I don't have a favorite per se. Then why did you answer? Sorry. <laughs> I will make I'll make sure to watch Wes Anderson movies when they come out. I love his quirkiness. I like most but not all Hitchcock films, and I do have a soft soft spot for Mr. Spielberg or Stuff and Reasons. Oh, and throw the Zucker brothers in there and Mel Brooks. <laughs> well, okay, but only cuz you begged us to. Pity she didn't have any favorite directors. <laughs> uh. Except those six. Adam Mark, a Sophie's choice. We'll need to think on it. Well, then he thought on it and said, I figure we're going to get a lot of Anderson, Wes, and Paul Thomas. Thomas. Well, mm -hmm. we got one Paul Thomas. Yep. Uh, Hitchcock, Tarantino, etc. They're fun to be sure, but I'm of a different school. Adam's a different breed of cat. I love a director who is excited to tell you a story. The cinematic equivalent of a page-turner and obviously having the time of their life telling it. Like Richard Donner, Goonies, Superman, Lethal Weapon... And Robert Zemeckis, Roger Rabbit, Romancing the Stone, Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, Contact, really? And so on. Uh, one I hope we include is George Kukor. Oh, sure. I know I've never known how to say his name. It's Kukor or Kukor. Or, I think it's I know Kukor. you mean. Kukor? Okay. In a career spanning decades, he gave us some of Hollywood's Golden Age's most enduring films and worked with basically every one of the era. The Women, 1939. GW Oh Gone with the Wind sorry it took me a minute Gone with the Wind 1939 uncredited hmm. Oh Philadelphia Story 1940 Gaslight see our episode on Gaslight Adam's Rib Born Yesterday A Star is Born and his best director winning My Fair Lady Wow Ooh. Yeah that's that's some serious chops there Film really is a director's medium television for actors plays for writers Hmm neat Well there you have it Wow Thank you Adam yeah Yeah Tyler Stewart says I do like Ridley Scott. I don't know. After that last essay, that's kind of a letdown, but sure. <laughs> we don't require a word count. <laughs> Monsieur Georges Saulnier says there are too many to, to name just one, but he does. Ingmar Bergman, Stanley mm -hmm. Kubrick, Eric Lubitsch. Uh, don't know. No, him. sorry. Ernst Lubitsch. Oh, that makes no. <laughs> no, I, I don't know who that is. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Mitchell Leeson. Woody mm. Allen and Wim Wim Wenders. Ooh, Wim I'm Wenders. sorry. Oh, it's spelled Wim Wenders, and it sounds like a Marvel superhero's secret identity. Miles <laughs> Mannered Wim Wenders <laughs> holds high the power, bud. I'd like to hold you high. <laughs> becomes Tuber Man. <laughs> I guarantee that has nothing to do with Wim Wenders. Oh, no. It's one of his lesser known short films about the superhero Tuber Man. Where Very is my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> it's out in the tuber patch where you left it. And <laughs> as we whim our way over <laughs> to the frozen north, we have from Vince. Is this a trap to make me say Werner Herzog again? <laughs> yes, and it worked. <laughs> he said it three times now. Now, the, now Werner Herzog will appear. <laughs> I... I do seriously. That's Candyman, or is it Beetlejuice? <laughs> both. Also, Bloody Mary. I'd seriously think he is one of the best and most unique out there. But there are so many I love for different reasons. Pedro Almavadar, 
is amazing, and I try to see anything he releases, and I have classic directors I watch over and over, like Orson Welles, and silent greats like F.W. Murnau and Fritz Lang. I have special places for directors like Kubrick, who made a huge impression on cinema with a small but amazing number of movies. I guess when you love movies, it's hard to pick a favorite. I agree, that is absolutely true, but these were some good answers. Mike, what about you? Who's your favorite or favorite directors? Uh, it's got to be favorites, um, yeah. because it's the same thing. I tend to like people who've got a very distinct point of view. One of my favorites is Richard Linklater. Um, I remember oh, seeing sure. Dazed and Confused. The first film I ever watched where I waited for something to happen was on the edge <laughs> of my seat. And then when nothing did, later on, I was okay with it. Mm. And I've only seen a few of his films. I've seen that, Dazed and Confused. I've seen Boyhood, which I really like and really admire mm. him for taking 19 years to make. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of an effort. Never mind the cast saying, yeah, we'll, we'll sign up for 15 years of filmmaking. No problem at all. <laughs> I saw The Scanner Darkly, which I admit I was not a fan of the mm. constant drawing over things. but And then I'd forgotten I'd seen uh, What Happened to You, and I forget the name of the rest of the, the character <clears throat> in the film. It was more recently. It was about a woman oh, who okay. ends up going on a, an adventure to... Um, I think it's the Arctic. Hmm. But I like I like his films, the ones I've seen. Kubrick, no matter what, like him or hate him, he's always got something to say, and he says it very precisely. He still holds my personal record for a film I've seen most times without knowing if I like it or not. See our first episode on uh, Eyes Wide uh, Shut. Yep, yep. Kind of controversial. A lot of people don't like him, but I like Darren Aronofsky. Oh, okay. I liked both The Fountain and Black Swan, and they were very distinct oh. films. Wes Anderson, I don't think I've seen one of his films that I didn't like. They're then they're so Wes Anderson, and they are so twee. The Coen Brothers, I've only seen one of their films that I thought was eh, and that was the one that I keep thinking is called Oh Holly. No, Hail Caesar, Hail Caesar. Oh, I like that one. It was okay, and I got to go with Ron Howard, you know, because. Mm -hmm. Even for films that I don't particularly like, the source material, yeah, the Da Vinci, the da Vinci Code, Code guy, and Angels and Demons. Yeah, I've watched them multiple times because they're fun. I really liked the boxing film he did, uh, um, Cinderella Man. Oh, okay, never saw that. Yeah, and I just and I mean, even Willow has its charms. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he handles sort of the the gum and popcorn films pretty well. Mm -hmm. But Max. Yeah. What about you? Who are your I, favorite directors? Oh, and I Kurosawa. Don't <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I tend to go for the whole movie. I don't know. There aren't a lot of directors I go, I have to see this director's movie. But like in terms of ones that brought me joy, I got to say Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's done some duds, let's yes. face it. History of the but, World Part 2. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, Part 1, I assume. Part 1, yeah. Yeah. Even that has a couple of really funny moments. The Inquisition musical number is hilarious. Well, that's where the Ten Commandments bit is, right? Yes, the oh, I bring you these 15 crash uh, Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, he, he just, he's made me happy many times. Well, I agree with Wes Anderson. He's just so damn Wes Anderson. <laughs> there, there, he is the Wes Andersoniest of all Wes Andersons ever in Wes Anderson land. Yeah. <laughs> and Hitchcock just he he has such a stamp on his movies and honestly sometimes I just really like Frank Capra when I just need mm. to feel warm and fuzzy I like me some Frank Capra so again I do not have one favorite director I don't think that's possible 
No, and it turned out not to be possible for anybody except Tony. Yeah. <laughs> and he picked him as a cinematographer, but whatever. That's all right. But, but these were terrific. Thank you very much. And uh, you know what? We had so much fun with them. Our hunger will never be sated, and you must give us more answers. More answers. To what? Answers, and soon the great devourer will rise, and he will sp spread his trivia across the world. We just want a poll question. Oh, <clears throat> yes. We can do that. What is your favorite musical moment in a movie? You know, either a stage number or just what appears to be spontaneous playing or singing. Just what in a musical moment doesn't have to be in a musical. It can be in a drama. It can be a comedy. Hmm. This moment when the music took center stage, and you, we will tell you how you may answer this somewhat confused question at the end of the show. Hmm. But um, now it's getting hmm. hot. Can I come out now? <laughs> Nope. Hang on. Let me just slice these carrots in here with you and some potatoes and onions. Ooh, yum, yum. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're getting nice and tender. Here we mm, go. Pinky. <laughs> and now, stuff about the movie. The facts. The budget of this movie was $6 million. $6 million? That's an <laughs> outrage. Box office, $28 million. This oh. made money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was successful. That's why we got the cheaper detective and then eventually the cheapest detective, right? Exactly. Mm. Uh, the movie was called The Cheap Detective, according to Neil Simon, quote, because the detective in those old films never got paid. Who paid oh. Humphrey Bogart for finding all those crooks in the Maltese Falcon? He arrested Mary Astor and sent her and everyone else to jail. Who paid him? The character is always involved in danger, not for the bucks, but because it's his lifestyle. I don't get it. What's the deal? Why isn't he getting paid? So, uh, Neil nice Simon, stuff. as you know, is also Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, that's who that was. Oh. <laughs> the farewell scene between Lou Peckinpah and Marlene Duchard, Louise Fletcher, mm. was shot on the same soundstage that was used for the Bergman Bogart farewell in Casablanca. Ooh. Even though the set was a bit different, as it's a ferry, not a plane. Mm. The detective partners in this, you know, Lou Peckinpah is the lead, played by Peter Falk, are called Peckinpah and Merkel. Roger Peckinpah and Fred Merkel were two well-known baseball players in the early 20th century. Oh, but of course. The piano player's named Tinker. Joe Tinker was a famous shortstop for the Cubs. Well, everyone knows that. A bunch of the other characters are all named after baseball players. Sergeant Rizzuto. Oh, now Phil we know Rizzuto Phil Rizzuto on the money star. <laughs> yep. That's that's the only way I know him. Yep. Same here. Oh, holy cow. The money star. Sergeant Crescetti and Lieutenant DiMaggio, all famous Yankees. Come on. Yeah, Crescetti and DiMaggio, I know. This, as I say, is the sort of, not really sequel, but successor to Murder by Death, which was released in 76. And a bunch of the same cast shows up. Mm -hmm. Peter Falk, Eileen Brennan, James Coco, and James Cromwell. And the movies both also share the screenwriter, Neil Simon, the director, Robert Moore, the producer, Ray Stark, and a whole bunch of the crew. Oh, neat. The, the name of the bar that shows up in one or two scenes, Nick's Place, huh? is of course... Yes, guess what that's a parody of? The Wizard of Oz. Yes, exactly. Gone with the Wind? Close. Neil Simon claimed that Warner Brothers had saved light fixtures and decorations from Humphrey Bogart's club in Casablanca, allowing them to be reused as, as props in Nick's place. Uh, he also claimed some of the original waiters were used. 
Uh, I don't see how. I mean, unless they were like 12. Well, I mean, it would have been 30 years ago, so they would have been just old. There is a really subtle and obscure joke in the credits. When we see the guy who plays the Nazi, and I don't say his name. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. His last name is Williamson. Wasn't that There's a buffalo head nickel next to his name in the credits on the pavement. Nickel Williamson's name is, in fact, pronounced Nickel. Oh, first, my sides. That's the first time I ever heard that. I yeah, thought it was no, I, I, but... I looked it up, and it is pronounced Nickel. Huh. I think it's, it's the Welsh thing. Okay. Neil Simon w- remained on the set the whole movie to take care of rewrites, just as he did with Murder by Death. And this will be a shock. I'm sure this entire movie is shot on sound stages. There's no location shots at all. Yes. What? Now, this movie... <clears throat> critics were kind of split on this. There were some who really enjoyed it. To give you an idea, Ed Mintz was the guy who... He created a movie review site called CinemaScore. He was inspired to create CinemaScore that grades movies based on audience members instead of critics, after being disappointed by this movie, despite being a fan of Neil Simon's work. Uh Uh-oh. Roger Ebert wrote, If you loved the Maltese Falcon and can recite all the best lines from Casablanca by heart, you'll hate the Chief Detective, (laughs) which is basically just the year's classiest and most expensive rip-off. Oh, dear. That doesn't bode well. Yeah, the, the film was nominated for one award, the Stinkers Bad Movie Award, <laughs> which was not for the movie, but for Anne Margaret in the category Worst Fake Accent Female. Oh, pl- that's mean. It did not win. Good, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this is as a, the final film of Fernando Lamas. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that... He looks marvelous. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. In this movie. Yeah, that's a deeper for anyone under 90 years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Our entire audience. Uh-huh. Strangely. <laughs> this was also one of the three movies written by Neil Simon that was also directed by Robert Moore. The others are Murder by Death and, of course, Chapter 2. Oh, right. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> yes, this was also another one of the movies of five movies where Neil cast his wife, Marsha Mason. I remember Bill Murray on Weekend Update saying, you know, Neil Neil Simon basically wrote uh, Goodbye Girl just to get Marsha out of the house. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you said you had some information about Neil Simon himself. I did. I was a little curious because he's one of those names growing up when we did. You would see his name pop up all over the t- place on TV mm-hmm. for the odd couple, stuff like that. Um, when I went to look him up on Wikipedia, it ended up being um, the shortest Wikipedia entry I'd seen in a famous person ever. So I had to go to a couple of places. Uh, the first thing Odd. I found out about him, his first name, big surprise, not Neil. It no! Was, it was Marvin. Of course it was. Don't know why he went by his middle name, but yeah. He was born in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. What? What is a Bronx anyway? Do you know... The- Yes, I do. What's you a Bronx? D- you don't, it's not a Bronx. The uh, well, no, it's that the Bronx, part. But that part of New York was originally owned by a large, fairly rich Dutch family named Bronk. And when people would say, "Let's go see the Bronx," and eventually it was, "Let's go to the Bronx." Okay, that is true. So it should be B R O N K S. 
Yes. I see. Well, now I, hey, we learned something. At least I did. Um, and knowing G- is half the battle. G.I. Bronx. And <laughs> Bumpy Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Bumpy Joe. That's, wasn't that a character on the Beverly Hillbillies? He's a real American pony. Anyway. <laughs> Mr. Simon received more Oscar and Tony awards than any other writer. Wow. And yeah, Marsha Mason, she was one of... Um, Five wives that Mr. Simon... Five. One of whom Yikes. he married twice in a little Elizabeth Taylor and... Uh, <laughs> Richard yeah, Burton. Richard Burton thing there. Uh, but for those who don't know, he wrote a lot of plays and a lot of movies. Some of movies came from his plays, but his, probably some of his biggest ones include Barefoot in the Park, Biloxi Blues, The Odd Couple, Lost in Yonkers, The Sunshine Boys, The Goodbye Girl, Come Blow Your Horn, Murder by Death, and this... Mm-hmm. He got his big break when he and his brother, I did not know this, when he and his brother wrote for Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows, a team of that, writers yeah. which included, oh dear gods, mm. Mel Brooks, yeah. Carl Reiner, and Woody Allen. Yeah. Sid Caesar, new talent. Here's the sad thing. Have you ever seen a single episode of Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows? Yes, I have. And was it any I- good? I've never seen it. A lot of it seems very dated, but there are a couple of sequences. One of the most famous and you can find this on YouTube, is his parody of This Is Your Life. And when I, I don't know how it would hold up now, but when I first saw it, I laughed so hard I fell off my chair. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I can also mention him because he's in this movie. Yes, so he is. <laughs> in the weirdest pairing I think you could think of is Sid Caesar and Anne Margaret. Anne Margrock? Anne Margrock from the <laughs> Flintstones, yes. This is a special message for a special little lady. Hi, Pebbles. Okay. <laughs> Anne uh, Margrock! Yeah, he apparently had an older brother, Danny, and they were a writing team, but they split after uh, uh, working on the show of shows. But he uh. would go on to start off with Phil Silvers after that, another very big and very successful um, comedian of the times who's also in this movie who yeah but i didn't even see him did you he's yes he's the uh he's hoppy the cab the driver at the very end do we barely see see him him. okay yes you do you see his face for like a second and a half and he mugs at the camera and that's it yeah we'll come back to that that uh the cast because yeah that's Mm -hmm. coming up but yeah i just didn't know that much about him and uh quite honestly i still don't uh he lived to Mm -hmm. be in his 90s passed away in new york Born mm-hmm. in New York, died in New York, but uh, one of the biggest names on Broadway, TV, and a little bit of Hollywood for the seventies and eighties, I would say. 60s, yeah, 70s absolutely. People still, I saw a revival of his play Plaza Suite uh, just a few years ago. Well, and like he did three different plays slash films that were based on his own life. Biloxi Blues being one of mm-hmm. them, yep. which was a to me, it does not feel like a Neil Simon play especially not least of which mm. because it stars Ma- uh, matthew broderick of all people but it there's there's a certain i don't know there's a certain feeling with a lot of his other stuff and i didn't get it from that but i liked the movie so mm. but anyway that's what i had on on mr simon oh cool thank you sure but now let's get to the plot yeah <laughs> in the city by the bay san francisco a hard-boiled detective named Lou Peckinpah finds himself... Oh, come on! <laughs> the plot doesn't matter, and it doesn't even try to make sense. Take the plots for Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon, add a little of the big sleep and a pinch of other Bogart movies, toss them all in a blender, and set it for frappe, <laughs> and there you go. 
Lou's partner, whose wife he's been sleeping with, has been murdered. At the same time, an old flame has come to town with her new husband who needs some important papers, while another group has shown up searching for what are effectively the eggs of the Maltese Falcon or something, and it all gets munged together with Nazis, odd accents, bizarre casting cameos, and a rather unique denouement. That's it. The plot is not why you watch this movie. Hmm. Is it? <laughs> no. The film. And I mean, how many movies can you think of as we get to the cast that have both John Hausman <laughs> and Abe Vigoda <laughs> in a cage match that will get one of them <laughs> bloodied and messed up? And yeah, I would pay to see that fight. That would be some fight to watch those two well, go at. This it. cast is ginormous, and it is it's basically huge. a '70s TV who's who. Yeah, it's pretty much everyone who was you know. You could have seen them here or on the love boat. Or uh, Barney Miller or Alice or, yeah. Yeah. Where where do you want to start? Let's start with the top. Let's start with Peter Falk. So it's nice to see Columbo in a larger role. Oh, wait. Yeah, it's basically he's doing Sam Diamond from from Murder by Death a little toned down and a little hornier. Yeah. It's, you know, I love Peter Falk, but let's face it, he has one note. He does not have a whole lot of range, that no. is true. And he does have one of the thickest and most distinctive accents that ever Ooh existed boy. on TV. And I kind of missed that, you know, because it used to be that we'd have people that were just so themselves. Mm-hmm. It didn't really matter what part they were playing. You kind of wanted to see them. And for me, I mean, I love Columbo. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him in this and Murder by Death. And there was some one other thing I saw. Oh, he's even, he's still even kind of Columbo in uh, The Prince's Bride, really. Um, yeah, a little. But just old Columbo. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just like Peter Falk. So I, I, I like him in this. Hmm. Who's next? And, well, we got uh, Eileen Brennan, who was his secretary in Murder by Death and is now Betty DeBoop in, uh, in this. I really, she has this sort of ease about her. Like, she's not mm. performing. She just sort of, I don't know, it's, she's very natural. I really liked her in Murder by Death for the same reason, and I think they have great chemistry. She's clearly doing Lauren Bacall. That's yeah. the, the movie I didn't mention that gets thrown in the blender is there's a little bit of to have and have not in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the fact that she always calls him Fred, even though that's not his name, just the way in... To have and have not, Lauren Bacall keeps referring to Bogart's character as Steve, even though that's not his name. The one who surprised me now, I remember thinking she was fine when I saw her, but Louise Fletcher is and playing Marlena Duchard, the Ingrid Bergman from, you know, the uh, what, what's her name? Ilsa from uh, She-Wolf she of the SS. <laughs> I knew it. I had to say it, or you were going to. Yeah, we both I wasn't did. going till till you said uh, Ilsa, yes. but yeah, from from Casablanca. Yeah, no, that's Nurse Ratchet for God's sake. When was when was she a romantic lead? Yeah, I only know her from that movie and um, Invaders from Mars, the remake oh, of the nineteen fifty science fiction. Well, film. I always I know her as Kai Wynn from Deep Space Nine, but uh, oh right, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, she got yep. shorter for that part. Yes. <laughs> you missed the field trip, David Gardner. <laughs> yeah, that's a deeper. And she she's actually a lot of fun in this. I, she, I never think Sugar as a comedian, let's face it. Well, I do like Nick, Nickel Williams' comment. Well, wait, wait, wait. Go back, go back, yep. go back to Louise Fletcher. Yep. She's kind of, she's almost the straight person, 
because she's playing it so deadpan. And mm-hmm. they do this thing, they start off this shtick with her where she keeps talking in metaphors that nobody understands. And she keeps going on and on and making these speeches like, there goes a brave, beautiful, and extraordinarily boring woman. <laughs> but then they, they stop doing that. So I don't Yeah, I was kind of sorry about that because yeah. I thought that was going to be a running gag. She only does it like twice. Yeah, so Nicole Williamson. Nicole Williamson, who, you know, you know, I know you know him mostly as Merlin from Excalibur. He's also uh, Sherlock Holmes, The 7% Solution. He was in Spawn, unfortunately. He was in an episode of Columbo. He, he's done a ton. Yeah, I like Nicole Williamson. Yeah, he, he's fine. He has, what, six lines. So yes, he plays a German. Almost as good yes, as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, we might as well bring in Marsha Mason, you know, Mrs. Simon. Yeah. she She's actually fun. She, you know, is the one who's really playing it over the top. Yeah. Um, she is also one of so many people. Everybody here gets their five minutes, and it's literally mm-hmm. that. Everybody gets yeah. about five minutes except Peter Falk, and you could argue. Oh, a couple of the, uh, I mean, pro- Eileen Brennan is on for a while, and so is uh, Louise Fletcher. And Madeline Kahn. And Madeline Kahn. Although, quite honestly, there's not nearly enough Madeline Kahn, but that's true of almost no. every movie. <laughs> yeah. Madeline Kahn, let's might as well get to her. She's She is really funny in this. She doesn't, again, she has very little to do. She's up, She's playing the, what, Bridget character, whatever her name was from uh, Maltese Falcon, who yep. has like 19 fake names. Whom I love. I love, yeah. I, the more I, I watch that movie, the more I love that character, because she just lies with everything. There's nothing she says that's true. Yeah. Yep, she, Madeline Kahn's very fun. I still are. Are you mad because I went pooky pooky all over your trench coat? <laughs> Something I'm glad they don't show us. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do also like Peter Fox's line going back to Marsha Mason. You know, her name is Georgia. Oh, hello, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I just had you on my mind. Yeah. Wow. That happened. And. John Hausman, who is, shall we say, not known for his comic roles, is actually pretty funny doing his his version of Sidney Greenstreet. He actually does a really good Sidney Greenstreet. He does. Also, considering John Hausman is not a large man, they very clearly have him padded all to hell. Oh, he's stuffed. Yeah. I was just pleased to see that he might actually have a sense of humor because all mm-hmm. John Hausman ever played was the sour-faced old man, you know, in the paper chase. He was the the mm-hmm. lawyer, um, the lawyer professor the at professor Harvard, at the and, law school. Yes, he was, or the supreme being in Time Bandits. Well, yeah, aren't I the nice one? He just seemed like stuffy and humorless mm-hmm. and stuff, and to see him in this, obviously mm-hmm. in a clownish padded suit doing his best Sydney Green Street was actually rather <laughs> smile inducing. I, I, yeah. That was I, that little trio, the Maltese Falcon trio of him as Sydney Green Street and Dom DeLuise as Pepe Damascus, who's very clearly Cairo from yeah. that movie. And, you know, Madeline Kahn, I, I thought they were a lot of fun. I kind of was sorry. They got lost in the shuffle. Well, and Paul Williams, he, cause he plays. Oh the, yes. Uh, as the boy. Role. That's, yeah. Yes, he's just referred to as boy. That's how he is in the uh, script. Yes, Paul Williams, the musician. <laughs> well, and Paul Williams, to be fair, it's the 70s. He shows up in everything. That's true. I remember he was on an episode of Beretta. He's in Smokey and the Bandit. He was yeah, on the Muppet yes, Show. Is. The funniest thing to me is that when he's standing with Peter Falk, Peter Falk actually makes him seem normal height. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they were careful to choose mostly women who were not that much taller than Peter Falk. Yeah. 
Well, who else we got? Anne Margaret. Well, so here's Anne the reason Margaret. I wouldn't give her the Razzie or whatever that award was. Yeah. She obviously was meant to be doing a bad accent. Oh, yeah. No, she and Sid Caesar. And what a. That's really <laughs> unfair. I'm. They were actually. I have to give them credit for this. They were very good about not making Sid Caesar do all that much. He's very underplayed for most of his scenes. He's not even comprehensible. Yeah. For most of his time on screen because he'd blow her off the screen. Yeah. Comedy wise, he. Say what you will about Sid Caesar. Apparently, was a huge jerk. Yep. The man was hilarious, and he knew comedy, and he knew what was funny. Well, and even in this sequel, he's an old man in a wheelchair. He's the crypt barely, keeper. That's what he yes, is. Yes, <laughs> he's pretty much, he's, the, he's a kind of slightly more fleshed out crypt keeper. And most of his lines are, <laughs> the whole joke is he's supposed to be uh, out of it. Although it turns out that's an act. Most of his scenes, he's just doing with his body language and his facial expressions. Mm. And he's still funny as hell. I, I got to give this to Anne Margaret, though, and this is a very sexist mm -hmm. comment, and I will fully mm -hmm. own up to that. You don't hire her for her comedy. No, you don't. She was she was eye candy. That's what, yeah. and she knew that, by the way. Also, her voice, she could sing. She had a lovely voice. Even her speaking voice is very velvety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's a bad actor. I just, you know, she's not no. not a top comedian in this film. Although, again, she's literally a cast of hundreds. So yeah. we have Abe Vigoda, who's in there being Lieutenant Fish. I mean, no, wait. <laughs> He's not being lieutenant. Although I swear it's the same costume. <laughs> it looks a lot like it. We have, you know, Scatman Crothers. It's the seventies. You'll scene. see him in everything. Yes. everything from Hong you, Kong Fui to Night Riders. Yep. No, no, wait, yep, that's you, Brother Blue. Yeah, no, you were you were legally required to have uh, Scatman Crothers if you did anything in the seventies. You had to. James Coco, who's playing Coco. not entirely a different character from Murder by Death. Not entirely. No, it's kind of, yes, Monsieur Perrier is now a waiter. Yeah. You've got, uh, we said Dom DeLuise. We had, uh, oh, David Ogden Steers is in this. Yeah, and it's got to be. As a waiter. I'm trying to think. 72 would have been season six. This would have been just when he showed up uh. on MASH as Charles Emerson Winchester. And he's mm -hmm. there for five seconds. I gotta say, this is the only film appearance of any kind I've ever seen Fernando Lamas in, in and I can yeah. totally see where Billy Crystal got the thing from. Yeah, yeah. Fernando Lamas was more of a TV actor in this yeah. country. He did a lot of movie. He did a lot of movies in Mexico and I think in Spain. Well, and to be he fair, a, hmm? this is just short of a TV movie. Yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways, in there's a, a couple of, of people in here you could argue like Louise Fletcher there that are film actors. But most of the cast is very TV. Yeah. And they're fine. You yeah. know, I would say it's, they range from doing pretty well to they're fine. And I, I think we have a very young Stockard Channing playing mm. Bess, the secretary. Yeah. And again, she doesn't have enough to do. No. I, I thought uh, she was a lot of fun. I thought she they could have done more with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, nobody uh, I, does. I mean, that's, that's, if we try to list everyone in the cast, we'll be here all day and we won't get to anything else. No. It's a, it has a cast and it's large and they do things. It's, yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this, there, there are a number of jokes that are now problematic. Admittedly, one or two that I actually laughed at, like when they're talking, there's an address at the beginning. Yeah. He's over on third and Bulldyke. Cause I'm sorry. That sounds like a street name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was there. <laughs> my only favorite line in the film was I swallowed my gum 
So, yeah. Now, did you see this when it came out in 78? I did. I did. Yeah. I saw it, I think, a couple of times. I yeah. I don't think I did. Oh, okay. But uh, as Facebook has shown me recently, there are films that I have definitely seen that I have no recollection for. Yeah, yeah. And this might be one of them, because I definitely remember we saw Murder by Death in the theaters, and if we had known that there was a more or less sequel, I totally would have gone, but I really don't remember having seen this. So, what was your reaction at the time? At the time, I thought it was incredibly funny. I thought it was hilarious, and also I thought Anne Margaret was incredibly hot. Well, <laughs> it's not like she's showing off any parts of her that might oh. cause a young man to question habana, habana, his habana, religion. Habana. And, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I st one of my I still laughed at some of the lines when uh, uh, Betty Betty Deboop is she's supposed to get these papers from Major Strasser. I'm sorry, Colonel, you know, <laughs> whatever his name was. Yeah, Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Schlissel. Colonel Schlissel. Who <laughs> said, yes, he made, yes, he made me do things. I don't want to know. What did he do? I, he was a, he was a Stuka bomber and I was Poland. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm beginning to see you didn't think this was funny, huh? <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I want, do mm -hmm. want to talk about the direction a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I had no problem with the direction in Murder by Death. It was supposed to be a, you know, a drawing room British sort of uh -huh. style mystery where, oh, let's gather gather everyone together and, you know, show who did it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is supposed to be noir. This is the most brightly lit noir I have ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, it's very vivid for noir, but it, it does go more with the hard-boiled detective, some of that. Not all of that is noir. Well, except, well, that's the only film that's arguably not noir that they're parodying is Casablanca. And I yeah. think at one point, maybe even during that series that we did, uh, Walk the Dark Street, I argued that I might consider Casablanca approaching noir, if not next door to it. Mm -hmm. But even mm -hmm. that film is shot, there's a lot of heavy shadows in that film, and it you know, is a way of creating mood. Now, I know mm -hmm. we're doing a comedy, but um, everyone paid their electric bill in this film. <laughs> it is just so... And so, some of it takes place at night, not that you'd know, because... Yeah, very you know, well well lit night. And I, want, I do wonder at that directorial choice, that we're going mm. to specifically be skewering noir, in particular, Bogart noir, but we're not going to make it look like that. Hmm. Did that, that pop out to you at all? Not really, no. It, it just to me it just felt very seventies. It looked <laughs> well, yeah. it did. It looked very seventies and very Neil Simon. He does a lot of stuff with bright bright lights and vivid colors and a lot of high contrast. What'd you think of the pacing? Interestingly, I thought the pacing was okay. Mm hmm I I, I expected it to feel longer than it did. Um, for various reasons that I won't get to until we get to the end of the the talking about the movie part mm -hmm. but i thought that it was fairly well paced it does move along one of the things it moves along doing is deciding which film it's parodying because <laughs> we'd start off pretty squarely in the maltese falcon and then suddenly we veer into casablanca Castle. and then we stumble yep. over to have and have not and we have to pardon ourselves and excuse us when we hit the big sleep over the head um mm. but yeah well how did you think the pacing was I thought the pacing was pretty good. That's one thing Neil Simon stuff does is it does move. 
Hmm. He doesn't drag. I thought the pacing was fine. Uh, the whole thing is choppy, but that was the style it was going for. Why do you say that? Like, could you explain? Honestly, because I think this thing was basically one long series of sketches. Hmm. Interesting. It didn't really, it, it doesn't stand up so well as a movie. It's a whole bunch of isolated scenes. There's not much flow here. Oops. You let <laughs> something out. No, no. Yeah, well, it's. It does feel it's a little trying like to be more like a laugh in, you know. I was thinking that at least the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, could see like that. Different episodes of the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, I could see that mm-hmm. sort of stitched together over time to make this this film. I will mm. say this: it does. This is a rare time when I'm actually I actually sat there staring at Dom DeLuise and it's like, who is that? I know uh, that voice. Really, he doesn't have the beard, so I didn't recognize him. <laughs> oh, actually, okay. It actually made made Dom DeLuise. I thought reasonable like i didn't hate him usually when don kelly nope. shows up I, it's like oh dear gods it's him oh he can he for a while before he was sort of turned into a parody of himself dom DeLuise could be very funny yeah and also very kind of engaging yeah i think uh, he started hanging around burt reynolds too much i'm not sure he did do a fairly humorous take on peter laurie i will give him that yeah. especially because he looks let's see nothing like peter <laughs> no. laurie I, yes with the money i can buy things i've never had Family, a mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I find and the whole joke, it's a kind of risky joke. The whole thing is he smells terrible. He smells like he bathes in cheap perfume. That's How do you convey that through film? It's all based on the other people's reaction. Yeah, and that's just a little thing because mm-hmm. apparently the character in Maltese Falcon was meant to be gay, and he mm-hmm. had his business card smelled of oh, gardenias. Like lavender, oh, gardenias, that yeah. was it. So, you know, Peter Laurie is a gay guy, sure, whatever. Yeah, there were a couple of moments I got it. I still liked where uh, Betty DeBoop, in effect, does La Vie en Rose, but doesn't sing any of the words except the last two. Well, and it's of all la 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 en rose. <laughs> well, except the, I thought that's pretty funny. We know that the lyrics are to that song are lump da da di da di dump la da di da di dump bunny lump. Yeah, it's one of those songs from Bugs Bunny cartoons that you don't yeah. know what the song is but you know how it goes anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what was Daffy doing at that point? <laughs> I have no idea. It's, a, it's Daffy Duck, Duck who's doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lump, daddy, daddy, dump. <laughs> anyway, what else you got? We're gonna pad this thing out to an hour. <laughs> no, I think uh, I, I think I've finished. I've gotten through all of my stuff. Oh Although, dear. There's one. Oh, there's good. one Pew. fairly subtle joke. Did yeah. you catch this? Uh huh. When uh, Jasper Blubber is calling, he's <laughs> say, staying at the Jerusalem. He's just arrived from Jerusalem, and he's staying at the Crusades Hotel. You, you see where that went? Yeah, yeah. Where a that lot was surprised. <laughs> that was a surprisingly subtle, if not particularly funny, joke. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm <laughs> coming up empty. I think we should yeah. get to that final part that we usually get okay. to a little bit further on. The finish. So, Max. Yes. You loved it as a child. Do you trust I it did. as a mother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm soaking in it right now. <laughs> Madge. Oh, boy, those are deepers. <laughs> so, you you loved it when you were younger, when it I came did. out in yep. 1978, when you were only 33. And yep. 
Max is old. <laughs> no. I am old, old. And now, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, God. In the 70s? I may have seen, no, I think I saw it in the 80s on videotape. Oh, yeah, that thing. But I think, yeah, it's got to have been 30, 40 years since I've seen it. So now that you've been able to rewatch it and re-study it as an adult, as somebody who appreciates mm-hmm. good film and can totally understand the differences, the nuances between various Simon... Oh, you are just dragging this out, aren't you? <laughs> it's coming up short. What did you think, Max? Okay, some of it, I did laugh a couple of times. I, it's not the laugh fest. I remember it being... A lot of it is mostly just going, oh, wow, that guy's in it. Or, oh, look, there she is. And I have to say, I like the polyamorous ending. I like the fact that the detective does not only just get the girl, he literally gets all the women in this movie. They're all in the cab with him at the end, and apparently they're going off to, uh, I don't know, have some sort of massive polygamous relationship. Or orgy. Or orgy. Yeah. I remember as a just as a kid going, "Huh? You can you do can that? do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does Peter Falk get these women? There is that. Uh, yeah. Humphrey Bogart, he ain't. But yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Except I knew a lot of women who thought Peter Falk was just absolutely adorable. Well, uh, in that cute little uncle kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of fun, but it's it's not as hilarious as I remember. I, I think I like it mostly for nostalgia's sake. I'm getting from the subtle hints you've been <laughs> dropping that you didn't like this at all. Those aren't subtle hints. That's just Bumpy telling us how much he liked the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, my first note is, it is Neil Simon. Huh. <laughs> and Georgia on my mind. Ha ha. I think we're in for a really long movie. Uh, Definitely a lesser Simon play. Performance is good. Material terrible. Painfully unfunny. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. I, just, I don't think I hated it as much as you did. I didn't hate I, it. Mm-hmm. I just is like I and I love Murder by Death, and I understand that it is a product of its time. That if you're not a fan of mystery stories, specifically British ones, that mm-hmm. that is not your film. I get it. I that's fine. I know that there are films like that where it's like, yeah, I like it, and not everyone gets it. Or a younger audience will just sit there going, huh? And that's fine. But man, I was just like, what is this movie missing? Oh, that's right, humor. I just found it. It was trying too hard and just wasn't good. I think there's a lot of humor in it. The problem is a lot of it is now what we would call dad jokes. You know, stuff like, yeah. you'll be, you'll be, you know, when he's walking out on Betty and he's taking the bottle of champagne over to uh, uh, Marlene, she says, you know, you'll be back. How do you know? You forgot the glasses. Yeah, it, it, it was that. And... You know, this is, I know that this is the 70s. Mm-hmm. And Neil Simon, his his big, most important stuff happened in the 70s. Like, that's when his, he was really at his peak. But I honestly felt like he wrote this in high school. Like, it felt like an early effort of some sort. Like, if, huh. he, had, if, if he had been 18 and written this, I'd been like, man, this kid's going somewhere. But, you know, at the top of his game, having already won Tonys and stuff, it's like, mm-hmm. eh. I was surprised. Thing is, I don't dislike anybody in it. All the actors, I think, are doing their parts. 
and yeah. they're doing what they can with what they've got. Um, I do have a question for you. Maybe you knew this. Um, is Heine really a slur for German people? Because <laughs> I'd never heard that before. Yeah, it is. It's not It's not one of the more common ones. It has, I think it comes from Heineken. Oh, I thought it just meant bum, <laughs> which didn't make any sense anywhere, but whatever. Yeah, yeah I just, you know, and it's funny because occasionally we find films that are, shall we say, hard to procure like they're yeah. not they're not easily found this one had no trouble renting and yeah. i don't see why this is still out there you know you you'll run into i've run into a lot more people who know murder by death most people don't know this movie most people never saw it well and the weird thing to me is when you reported in the trivia oh yeah, yeah. it cost five million dollars and it made 28 it it was commercially pretty successful like I, it's kind of a surprise Although I have to love the story about the guy who created CinemaScore just despite having gone to this film and disliking it. Um, not entirely unlike how this show came about. Because <laughs> technically this show, if you trace it all the way back, came from the fact that I came home from Avatar so angry that I started oh, Block. Yes. <laughs> That's right, you started the movie wrench. Yeah, so anybody who ever wonders at the end of the show, why is it the, a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench? That's why. Yeah. And yep. yeah, I did a blog for a short while. I did a video blog for a short while for the mm -hmm. movie wrench because I hated that movie. I still hate that movie. And it's like some guy apparently said, I'm going to make my living by basically <laughs> saying to everyone, this is what the audience thinks, not what the critics thinks. And mm -hmm. I like to think that we come somewhere in between. We've seen enough movies so. that I think we've got a little bit of knowledge, but I don't mm -hmm. think you and I come from the, oh, the auteur, the critic, blah, 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 but we don't come from that side either. Mise-en-sen! You don't know what that means. Yes, I do. It's the original term for editing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, I took a film course. <laughs> yeah, I went to film school. Didn't do any good, did it? <laughs> I took one whole film course in college. All so right. I know movie stuff. Hey, I... Camera. <laughs> makeup. People standing makeup! and reading lines. <laughs> People reading... Lines and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, I like to think yeah, we come yeah. somewhere in between, but I think in yeah. this particular case, we're split again. Max is like, Hey, yeah. I've got nostalgia, I think some things are funny, even if it's not a great film. And I'm like, Eh, just ignore it. Yeah, I, I'd, as I say, I don't think I would recommend this to anybody who hadn't seen it when they were a kid or when they were younger because now I think it would bore most people. Yeah, like, yeah, me. no, yeah, <laughs> like Bumpy. But you know what doesn't bore people is our poll question. Would you please go over that and how to answer it? Yes, I will. Tomorrow. No. I'm, bu I'm building suspense. <sighs> what is your favorite musical moment in a movie? Either a stage number or a spontaneous song or musical number. Doesn't have to be in a musical. And you can tell us this by emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Or you can go to the very similarly named website, maxmikemovies.com, and leave us a comment. You can also find us, of course, on social media. Well, one social medium. You can find us on the book Facebook! Face. Facebook! It's called Facebook! <laughs> Never! Facebook! Under Max... <laughs> Spaceship! Under Max Mike Movies. And you can... Uh, we post the poll question there. And, of course, we are on... All podcast apps that stretch through time and space, all forms of the multiverse. Mm. We are the podcast verse. 
we are all. <laughs> but we are about to finish up our What's So Funny series, and Mike has selected the final movie. Well, I am holding here, which has been sealed in a mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's front porch. Um, you didn't know till I told you. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, you Sis still don't know. <laughs> you could at least pretend, <laughs> Karnak. There's <laughs> another deeper. Yeah, so well, actually, I, in a way, didn't pick the last film. You mm. did, uh, dear true. listeners, or at least dear responders. Mm. I chose a uh, one of your responses to our what is your favorite comedy poll question answers. And in this case, we have Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey to thank. And I think it's actually a very... It's a, it's, a, it's a film that's pretty much in people's minds right now for a couple of reasons. It's recent. Mm. It's very recent. It's one of the more recent films we've done in a very long time. Mm. And uh, there's a little bit of politics going on right now regarding this film. Next week, we're going to finish up What's So Funny with Barbie. That's right. We're going to f ask, why hasn't there been a Big Jim movie? <laughs> no, we are not going to ask We're that We're totally going to ask that. <laughs> or Big Jeff or any other like, gay crew. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but next week, won't you Barbie with us? Yes, because we are a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.